nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you are in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Welcome back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. This is Leanne Meyer, and I am really excited about this show. So our, the title of our show today is Nurses Leading Innovation, and uh, it's a little bit of a misnomer because, of course, we know nurses have always innovated. As far back as we can go and as recent as today, nurses around the world are doing what is often called workarounds which basically means what has been set up by well-meaning non-nurses has created problems and obstacles for the people actually doing the work. The electronic health record, or EHR, is probably the easiest and most recent example. A well-meaning and seemingly good idea at the time got pushed into practice by law, which created a feeding frenzy of software engineers trying to come up with the first and best version of healthcare records digitally accessed. By the time it arrived at the nurse's computer, it was a billion-dollar albatross. I'm eager to welcome my two guests to a conversation on what innovation by nurses for nurses could mean for healthcare. So, Dr. Bonnie Clipper is the Vice President of Innovation for the American Nurses Association, and Rebecca Love is the first Director of Nurse Innovation and Entrepreneurship in the United States at Northwest Northeastern School of Nursing. Welcome to you both. Thank Thanks you. for having us, Leanne. Great. So, uh, Dr. Clipper, could you uh, share a little bit about what originally attracted you to nursing and then briefly what propelled you through the level of engagement and education you've traveled to become so deeply involved with innovation? Sure, absolutely. So I actually was six when I knew I wanted to uh, to be a nurse. So it kind of goes back there. I have these great pictures of uh, myself sitting in my little PJs with a paper nurse's cap on and a stethoscope uh, along with some stuffed animals. So it was way back when that I knew this is what I wanted to do and uh, have really never turned back. So I am, in fact, as you said, I'm the Vice President of Innovation for the American Nurses Association. I've been a nurse for 30 years. I've been a chief nursing officer and a nurse executive for 20 years. And uh, in the last four years, uh, I was fortunate enough to be a Robert Wood Johnson Executive Nurse Fellow and a Fellow of Innovation with uh, AS, uh, ASU and AONE. So I've been in this position for about 20 months, and uh, it's uh, something different every day. It's awesome. Hmm. Interesting. That's about the same time I started this program. So uh, we're in the same class, <laughs> uh, freshmen. <laughs> so um, Rebecca, uh, can you also share what brought you to this to nursing and then to this area of nursing practice? Absolutely, and I, I I do have quite the same level of expertise as Bonnie, but um, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer, and uh, my mother was a nurse, my dad was a lawyer, and I remember I was had applied to law school, and my mom flew out to Boston where I lived, and she sat me down at dinner, and she said, you know, your, your father and I are not going to support you um, to go to law school, and I remember sitting back and 
thinking this is an interesting conversation. And she said, you know, we really believe that you should be a nurse. Uh-huh. And at the time, I was working on a presidential campaign um, where I was doing uh, some substantial amount of, of fundraising in that era. And um, I realized the issue of healthcare was a, was a major issue. And although I, I really was, I, I didn't really understand what her, her thought process was, she said to me, she said, you know, Rebecca, we feel that there's a lot of strong leaders in, in law. And she said, I need some strong women in nursing, and from what she had seen in nursing, um, from growing up, she said, uh, in, going back to nursing school later in life, she said, you know, it feels to me that um, a lot of the problems that we're seeing in nursing are not being addressed the way that we need to, and that's because nurses have not been given that voice. And she said, I, I need you to go into this. And I remember being shocked and applying only to one nursing school um, as really? I rolled out my applications to law school uh, to make them happy. And they had told me when I interviewed. <laughs> that it was going to be a long time, um, that it was, there was no way I was going to get in. There was a two-year waiting list. I you know, was not ready. I had taken the LSAT, not prepared for nursing school. Mm-hmm. And the next thing I know, I go to that interview, and two weeks later, I get an acceptance letter. And um, <laughs> that's, that's when I thought, oh, my gosh, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be a nurse. So I dropped plant. I turned down the applications that I got accepted to law school, and I rolled into, um, I was, nursing was a second career, so I rolled into the RN to NP track, MSN track, mm-hmm. and went to nursing school. Mm-hmm. Wow, lucky us. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a great, it's lucky for me, I think. <laughs> I right. think that's how I look at it. I feel very fortunate to right. have uh, been able to enter this profession and, and uh, be a part of all these amazing people that every day uh, walk into situations where most people would never fear that they could cross the threshold and make an impact. Yes. I'm going to kind of let you loose, but the question I have is when did all this um, uh, begin where nurses, I mean, I noticed that your your TED talk that you had done, Rebecca, was in November of 2018. That's very recent. So I'm, I'm just wondering uh, when, when did you each first notice that other people were talking and thinking about this? And then is there like a, a, a convention of people or a group of people that are um, somehow really uh, closely connected? And how big a group is that? Rebecca, you want to jump in? Yeah, thanks, Bunny. Yeah, and I, so I think how it all started for me is a few years ago, I was a struggling nurse entrepreneur, and around the um, March 2013, I decided to um, solve a problem that I had seen as a hospice nurse practitioner and as a community college professor to create a platform that would help nurses find jobs and those who wanted to hire nurses find things. And we, we launched in September 2014, and I um, was incredible struggling terribly. I thought if you put up a website, you could start having a business. And uh, I learned quickly that was not the reality of the situation. And a, a young aunt friend of mine was a struggling entrepreneur. And he said, Rebecca, you know, you should go to a hackathon. And, um, and I didn't know what that was, but he explained it was a three-day event where people get together, put out problems, form teams, and in 57 hours, uh, create solutions to those problems um, and pitch judges for funding. And it's an extraordinary event to the point that it altered my view of what was possible as a nurse, um, probably because I was the only nurse at the event, and literally major executives would come in and sit down, and they were genuinely interested in my knowledge as to why something would or would not work as a solution in healthcare. So what a concept. started to study that. That was uh, that was uh, when was that? I went to that in 2015 in the late spring, in the early winter, and uh, I started to study the environment and. 
called a Dr. Nancy Hanrahan and said, you know, I went to this amazing thing. There should be a nurse hackathon. And in a long story short, she said, why don't you, you know, come build a hackathon at this summit I'm going to run, which was June 2016 on innovation entrepreneurship. And that's what sort of became June 2016, the, the first major event that we saw that seemed to focus on nurse innovation and entrepreneurship in the country, which then spiraled into a uh, two-year program, which I ran at Northeastern through um, July 2018 of this year when I transitioned on. But Bonnie, what, how wow. did you get involved how, from there? Yeah, for me, I actually got involved a couple years ago trying to learn as much as I could around innovation, what it was, how I could use it as a chief nursing officer to help tackle some of the issues that we were having at the time, whether it be how could I staff differently, how could I change the admission process, uh, things of that nature, how could I improve the OR throughput, and really tried to learn as much as I could around what was innovation, how, how could I use it, and also human-centered design and design thinking. And that's really what got me into this space. Um, then at ANA, I had a conversation with them. They basically um, really did a cool, bold step and, and put forth a position for Vice President Innovation to start to bring nurses into the conversation and on the journey so I think Rebecca and I probably ended up, um, Rebecca, you're a little bit ahead of me on this, but I think really we've been able to kind of leverage nurses in terms of their energy and their expertise and start to provide some direction to bring nurses into these conversations. Absolutely. Um, so when did you meet each other? How did you connect with each other? Mm, I you think I reached out to Rebecca shortly after I got here at the ANA, and we became fast friends and have been connected since. Probably about what September, October of 2017. Yeah. Wow. Really recently. So, what were uh, your? I know that in your TED talk, um, one of the things that you said, Rebecca, was that. Um, that uh, you just, there wasn't anything out there. It's kind of like you're inventing the wheel. And so now as you are in that process and, and just really getting a good start, what are some of the things you wish you had known when you uh, first started to work with innovation? <laughs> I, that, Big I, question. <laughs> there, what I wish I had known. Um, I think what I, I wish I would have known is that um, innovation, I, that nurses really did not have a seat at the table. When I sort of got mm-hmm. into the world of, of healthcare innovation, I was still largely a nurse practitioner at that point in time for about eight years, but um, I, at the time, never had really understood uh, the conversations in, this, in the, what you would consider our leadership of, of nursing, but also the, the restrictions that nurses had uh, to drive innovation. Uh, it was not something that I had been a parent of, but also um, the understandings that nursing has long been established as there's a way that we follow process, protocol, and procedure so that we don't kill mm-hmm. or harm patients, which almost makes innovation opposite to uh, the ability to save patients' lives. And that's sort of been fundamentally ingrained in us as nurses. And I think what I was not prepared for was the level of uh, hesitation, uh, misbelief, mm-hmm. and also a lack of support even within nursing um, for this when you first started out, um, that this would, uh, that I was surprised because in most other industries, innovation mm-hmm. is, is, the, is the golden tower, right? Like in business and technology, people love to say they're innovators. In nursing, um, they sort of saw it a little bit as a fad as, you know, you're just trying to apply this <laughs> to nursing, but is it, is it legitimate? I think was one of the big areas of stumbling blocks. What, a, what about you, Bonnie? 
Yeah, I think that's true. And I think a lot of this is trying to socialize nurses to the fact that innovation, it can be large or it can be small. It doesn't have to be disruptive. It can be incremental. And I think, Rebecca, you've hit on something that's important that we really have to work through. And that's kind of, we have a very, very low tolerance of risk as well as failure. And it's scary to us, right? So we never want to jeopardize patients. We, of course, want the best outcomes, the most safe environments. It doesn't mean that what we do has to jeopardize those kind of things. Sometimes it can just be our willingness to try a new scheduling software or try a new process for patient registration. It doesn't have to always be scary. And the more we can build that risk tolerance, I think we can begin to socialize the process of innovation to make it more prevalent, more common, and also to use our skills and our superpowers of nurses more often. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, <coughs> excuse me, um, go ahead and keep talking. And I think, you know, to, to the idea of risk is uh, is exactly it. And, and getting uncomfortable is, is another level of, of being innovators. It's this idea that you have to challenge the status quo, that you sort of are looking at things just a little bit differently. And um, that is that is an environment that we're not used to living in as nurses. But the truth is, as, as you even mentioned in the opening of this intro, nurses are constantly doing workarounds. We're in a system that's heavily created um, by individuals who are non-nurses who think they are solving a problem for us, but in often situations, it creates a little bit more work for us. And just like you pointed out with the EHR systems, this dramatically shifted the focus onto nurses um, by which they were learning a, a system that actually ca- caused a lot of convolution for our ability to do the job that we had known best, um, which was to care for patients. Uh, so where some of this innovation has come in, a lot of people assume that innovation almost had a negative impact on their workflow. It actually created created things to be worse. So nurses ever since, and even I would even argue physicians, ever since the rollout of EHR, which people claim is this great innovation, was actually was detrimental to the healthcare environment to keep promoting innovation. Yeah, and we still see that today. I mean, we still have a lot of kind of overflow of what's become of EHR. So certainly it, it makes sense in many regards. It helps us to collect and to aggregate data and to actually be able to look at things. However, it depends on what system that you actually have and how you're using it. But it's also done things unintentionally, like created incredible documentation burdens for nurses and physicians. So exactly. as a result, we often see some very, very clever and innovative workarounds or, or positive deviance as a result of that, just so that nurses can actually take care of their patients. And and they are innovators, and nurses are always going to find ways to care for their patients. So helping them understand that they do have the know-how, they're natural innovators, and trying to harness that power is, is very, very helpful to them. Um, are you also, while you're looking at the innovation, are you looking at um, how to do the rollouts with nurses? Um, and I'll, I'll give a little background to that. Being a manager, one of the things I found was probably um, three-fourths of the people on my staff were people that were, you know, just keep things the same. We know how this works. We're expert at this this way. And don't go uh, dinging around with it and then, you know, with the um, flavor of the month kind of thing. <clears throat> they really wanted to know that there was a good reason to make this change that had been well thought out and um, that they were going to be trained on it and that they would not have to feel like uh, idiots or uh, bumbling 
uh, that they could feel confident fairly quickly in what they were doing. And I'm just wondering if you've seen that kind of thing also. Yeah, I mean, you want to start? certainly. Yeah, Bonnie. Sure. I think from an innovation perspective, I think that nurses know the workflows for patients front to back, right? So mm-hmm. trying to find ways that you can put adoption in place. It really, in my opinion, there's a whole lot of change theory that, that is kind of in this space. So trying right. to have uh, buy-in and information sharing up front, and then whatever change theory you adopt, it really is a matter of you have to do a good job of kind of connecting it to the purpose, to what the intent is of the model, the, the gizmo, the gadget, the device, in this case the EHR, to make mm-hmm. sure everyone understands what the goals are and what they look like. And then also taking the time to provide the the education and then kind of what I call that iteration of that next step. If things need to change, you have to, as an organization, be invested enough that you can actually take feedback and use it to continually make it make the process and the product better instead of just pushing it at people and saying, this is what we're using, you need to practice to get used to it. So mm-hmm. it really takes a lot more time. And I also think this is where we really have an opportunity to benefit more by stepping back and using human-centered design. Okay, say more about that. So it's very interesting. Human-centered design or design thinking has been around for well over 30 years. Uh, The healthcare industry is actually the last industry to adopt it. And essentially, human-centered design means that the processes and the systems that we develop and design really need to be based around the needs of the human. So they always start off by taking a look at um, empathizing and defining the problem very, very clearly. So one of the things that an EHR solves is a way to aggregate data so that everyone can see it. However, it really doesn't incorporate human-centered design into it to determine how that data is going to get into the EHR. And that's sometimes part of the very cumbersome nature that nurses and physicians and other clinicians have is putting the information into the EHR and finding Mm -hmm. it in a simplified way later so you don't have to enter the same things two and three and four times. Right. And yeah, and, and Rebecca, to oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Rebecca. And you, Leanne, like how often as a nurse was new technology rolled out that was supposed to create less work for us, but actually created <laughs> more work for us? Um, and so uh-huh. that's the exact argument of human-centered design, which is, you know, you should be involving the end user first to design a process that works better for them. And I think this is what's happened for decades in nursing. New technologies have been rolled out, but they never engage with the nurse. And because of that, nurses have become so resistant, like you were saying, all these nurses are like, hey, look, at, I can do this really well, but we've been in a situation where so many times new devices were rolled out that were supposed to create less work for us, created more work, and then eventually either would be retracted or they would just simply complicate things, nurses have become resistant because they were never engaged with that. So the whole argument that Bonnie and I and like a select group of nurses out there are saying is that, you know, this is crazy that you're not involving the nurse from the get-go. Like if you want to solve the problems at the front end, if you want to be where the patient and the dollars meet, you have to be leveraging the technology and the products out there, but through the eyes of the nurse so that they can be more efficient to drive those outcomes. And that's the entire argument of nurse innovation is that you, you, the human-centered design experts are the nurses. They're not the physicians. They're not the administrators. They're not the technologists back in the lab. You need to be out there on the front lines dealing with the people who are delivering care. 
Exactly. Um, this kind of ties into a quote that I pulled out of uh, your uh, TED Talk again, Rebecca. Um, it, uh, it was the innovation of nursing that pulled medicine out of the dark ages. That's definitely a different twist on how many people tend to think of how, how um, healthcare became a science and that sort of thing. Do you want to say a little bit about that? Yeah, I so it, it, I, I I know that it was a, it is a heavy one, but I, I truly believe that it was the innovation of nursing that pulled medicine out of the dark ages of practice. Um, because before that time, there was no, during the 1850s when Florence Nightingale uh, existed during the Crimean War, the belief that if you could not see it, it did not exist was the fundamental principle that drove the guiding factors. That's why physician went bedside to bedside to bedside without washing hands or sterilizing medical equipment. That germs did not cause disease and infections. That there, if you couldn't see it, there was no correlation. And so when Florence Nightingale challenged that status and she was able to prove it with documentation and studies, fundamentally she altered the future of healthcare in a way that it has never, ever changed uh, since. Uh, that, that fundamental principle of being able, that things that could harm us that we could not see and even led to developments of medicine and treatments and, and uh, just the understanding of the human body and, and the world around us in such a fundamental way that it was the guiding principle that put medicine in, an, in a new era. But somehow, although it was led by nursing, this great innovation, Somewhere in the last 150 years, even though it was <laughs> it was just a great accomplishment by nursing, we uh, somehow were regulated out of those decision making processes. Mm-hmm. And I, I fundamentally believe the more that we get nurses into these central healthcare conversations, all of these problems that we see in healthcare that we call a quagmire, that healthcare should be blown up, as soon as we start bringing nurses into it, the solutions are going to present themselves. And so my hope is, is that the same way that the innovation of nursing led medicine out of the dark ages of practice, by bringing in an era of nurse innovators, we will forever transform healthcare finally out of the, the current practice models that we've been delivering, which have caused significant challenges to our, our society. Bonnie, maybe you could address, yeah. as, as totally, she's saying this, that um, point, yeah. I'm sorry, I think we're talking so over. Uh, I, I didn't realize you were talking. Do you want to go ahead? Yeah, I was just going to say that to Rebecca's point, you know, there are 4 million nurses compared to 1 million physicians. So I think that what we're really advocating is that it, re- it requires everyone to transform health, right? Whether it's health and well-being or wellness, health care, it really takes everyone so with, with 4 million nurses, there are nurses with a lot of different lived experiences and backgrounds and expertise and competencies that really do understand workflows, and they spend more time with the patients and their families. Exactly. So when you think about it, it makes a tremendous amount of sense that we insert the nurses more into that conversation around transforming health or making changes to things like disparities in health inequity and inserting nurses into the conversation around social determinants. How do we change the fact that some communities have no access to fresh fruits and vegetables in their grocery store? How do we change the education conversations? So there are nurses that are touching patients, communities, students all over the country. How do we engage them in a way and have them lean into those conversations? We're not 
we don't need to wait for permission. What we need to do is to empower nurses and engage them so that they do lean in and have the conversations that they're very skilled and talented at having. Absolutely. I like that statement a lot. And in fact, it leads me to what I'd like to talk about next. And this is a perfect place for us to take a commercial break. So I think we'll go ahead and do that. Um, Today's program is called Nurses Leading Innovation. I'm here today with Dr. Bonnie Clipper, Vice President of Innovation for the American Nurses Association, and Rebecca Love, who is the first Director of Nurse Innovation and Entrepreneurship in the United States at Northeastern School of Nursing. So we will be back in just a few minutes, and uh, thank you for listening. Listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support you. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900% and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform. Contact Senior Executive Producer Tacey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. Listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. 
Welcome back. And today we're talking about nurses leading innovation. And I have two very exciting uh, uh, representatives of what's happening in nursing innovation. And uh, Donnie, Dr. Bonnie Clipper, Vice President of Innovation for the American Nurses Association, and Rebecca Love, who was the first Director of Nurse Innovation and Entrepreneurship in the United States at Northeastern School of Nursing. Um, we've just laid a, a nice groundwork of how this uh, nursing innovation is coming to pass and that there are lots of nurses who are eager and interested in it. So my question to you and maybe to Bonnie first, where is this going? Where where does innovation for nursing go from here? Ooh, that's a great question. So at the American Nurses Association, we're focused on um, igniting nursing innovation by helping to get nurses into that space, right? So we're working with partners all over the country, really trying to do some education and do some fun things like our nurse pitch events or our nurse jams, which are kind of a, a hackathon, if you will. And then we're also cultivating and inspiring future nurse innovators through webinars, through education, so that nurses understand not only what innovation is, also a little bit about human-centered design and then how they can use those things to kind of make the necessary changes to transform whatever it is they need to address in, in kind of their own communities or organizations. And then finally, we focus on highlighting and celebrating nursing innovation. So for us, we have the uh, ANA Innovation Awards. Our first uh, winners for that award um, are actually going to be uh, announced at our ANA Innovation Conference in April. And we're very, very fortunate that we have a, a partner for that. And our partner has really provided the opportunity for us to award $25,000 to an individual and 50000 to a nurse-led team through the generosity of, of the BD, the company. So that, for us, is really the way to get this word out there and to try to bring more nurses into that space. That sounds excellent. Uh, <clears throat> Rebecca, uh, what are your thoughts? So, I, you know, I, so I think that there's a ton of exciting stuff going on in this space. And when we transitioned on from um, Northeastern, there was a lot of nurses in the world that were reaching out. And so we decided, um, and I, I, Bonnie is, is slightly aware of this, that we are forming a new group um, called SONCIEL, the Society of Nurse Scientists, Innovators, Entrepreneurs, and Leaders. And I reached out uh, to pretty much a lot of our, our nursing um, leaders and innovators and entrepreneurs uh, across the U.S. and and part of the world to sit there and say, hey, what do you think? Should we create an association that supports nurses? Because I think um, when we all started out, um, there is a couple of the, the founding members are like the chief nursing officer of Mar- Microsoft, which is Molly McCarthy, all the way to, you know, the director of innovation at UPenn, to sit there and say, you know what, do we need an association that supports those that are going to walk slightly differently but not find um, the support they need? So we decided to take it to a whole nother level and, and uh, bring in and try to form a group around that idea to support it with a mentorship program to support, you know, the younger entrepreneurs and their their journeys and innovators. So I think that the world is starting to change. I think the conversation is, and those major leaders um, that are out there are starting to embrace it. And the reason we decided to put something together a little differently is because most of the associations in the world right now have a lot of their missions and their directions going, and it's, it's um, we felt like there needed to be a 
slightly different focus that this was our only focus on creating that conversation and putting nursing experts out there in the world to be seen and recognized and valued for their in uh, you know their their value to healthcare. And I think the challenge that we have today is that there is a small PR image around nursing <laughs> where every time I go to a healthcare conference, they'll be talking about subjects like chronic care management, readmission rates, and there's never a nurse on the stage. And mm-hmm. I think that conversation has to fundamentally change. We need more nurses to be seen in healthcare as experts and that in the future, our, our vision really would be that there is going to be a nurse on every stage um, that's yes. discussing healthcare. Um, Bonnie, do you have to? Do you have something you'd like to add? And I'm thinking, coming from the ANA, does that sound um, doable or um, something that would yeah, work? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, nurses have been the most trusted profession for 17 years in a row. So mm-hmm. certainly we're doing something right as it comes to building relationship with patients and families and our colleagues in, in the health and healthcare world. So now I think Rebecca's spot on. What's really changed is that the rest of the world has realized that nurses have something really important and significant to contribute and to add. So there are groups. There is, for example, an organization called uh, Nurses on Boards Coalition. It's nobc.org. Um, uh, and if you're a nurse and you want to participate on a board, you actually can go out, fill out a form, and it will matchmake and help get you on a board with an organization that is looking for someone with your background, skills, competencies, talent. So Rebecca's exactly right. We want nurses inserted in every conversation around improving disparities, determinants uh, of health, really finding ways to change the models of care that is nurse-led. Our position is that it can't be nurse-only, but it has to be nurse-and, and we certainly would like to see it nurse-led. Yeah, <clears throat> it's interesting you mentioned the nurses on boards because about six months ago I had uh, Karen McDonald who is working on that project to get, I think it's 20,000 nurses on boards by 2020, is that right? Something like that. <clears throat> and um, that was very, very interesting and uh, sounded very bold because this is not just healthcare boards but all boards in every industry to have a nurse on every board just because of what nurses bring to it. So I thought that was exciting. Um, Are there some examples you can give of areas where people uh, are starting to um, see or using this innovation that you're seeing results? Um, Do you have any anecdotes of people who have already started doing that? Yeah, I think we both could give you just a laundry list of innovators and people, nurses that have developed products, uh, companies, they're they're developing startups themselves. And this is a really cool space for nurses to be. We're incredibly well-trained, and it's a really nice way for us to lead because it is similar yet slightly different. And I'll tell you that from watching young nurses, they gravitate towards this space. So it's going to be Mm, fascinating to see what continues to come from millennials and even Zers in this space. And and in my opinion, in the past in nursing, we were all told we had policies and procedures and this is how we did things. We're seeing young people challenge them and we're also seeing them come up with some pretty amazing ways that are better than what many of us have been trained on. Exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah. You mentioned Zers, and I don't yeah. know if everybody in the audience would know what that is, but that's the next generation called Z-E-E, so Zers. Um, yeah, and I, I just spoke with somebody from the millennial generation yesterday, and she was talking about how excited she is about this next generation. So, um, Rebecca, can you talk about that also? What are some of the anecdotes that you might be able to share yeah, no, I, you know, and as Bonnie pointed out, you know, there's something different. The generation that's coming up is technology has been an ex, has been part of their lives from the, the the get-go. They have learned things differently than we had to train on, right? So for them, their skill set equivalent to their peers is very transferable and translatable across spectrums and verticals where nursing was not before. So where nurses may, where we had to learn, you know, everything from going from paper records to online records, um, the, the truth is this next generation is using apps as an extension of their program, mm-hmm. of their hand. They know how to basically interpret things differently and see the potential in technology where many of us as nurses have seen barriers of technology technology. So I think that we're entering this very exciting era where the generation coming behind us could potentially be the greatest generation nursing has ever seen because for the first time um, in a very long time, their skill sets are going to be transferable and also appreciated, not having to be taught to them as many of our our past experiences were in the world of nursing to go across other verticals. Um, And so it's very exciting to see how they're moving forward. But what we're also seeing is that nurses who... Um, what a lot of people I think were fearful of is that innovation might drive nurses from the bedside. And what we're actually finding is in the hospitals, uh, so MGH, Tufts, all these hospitals have started to appoint new directors of innovation over nursing staff. And what they're finding is they're actually engaging with their workforce differently. Um, one of uh, the hospital, Tufts, doing a medical center, um, their nurses had gone and picketed this summer. And how they got off the picket line was both the nurses and the hospital agreed to invest in nurse innovation funds to help <laughs> bedside nurses create solutions that Great. they found very problematic. So it's transforming our work and life um, in massive ways across healthcare. Fantastic. That's exactly what I'm thinking, too. Um, you, I know that <clears throat> you have shared, Rebecca, some of the statistics that are just very um, troubling that of the new nurses coming in, uh, one in two, about half of the new nurses coming in within two years are leaving. And that has got to change. And, it, I, you know, maybe what you're saying is that they would be more comfortable coming in and seeing innovation than seeing themselves learning to do things that are 100 years old. <laughs> I think it's petrifying. I, I, I am very concerned that if we don't innovate within our own profession and within healthcare to maintain and look at nursing differently, that the statistics that we're facing right now are going to become reality and that there, that, um, that there will be no one left at the bedside. And, and Bonnie, like you, you, I know this is a major focus going on at the ANA and things. So what, how are you seeing this problem? Maybe we need to. We're really taking the time to study where nurses are and where they're going to go in the future. So trying to get our arms around what is going to be the impact of artificial intelligence or augmented intelligence, what's the impact of AR or VR or mixed reality, trying to understand um, the impact of service robots. Those are all things that, while it may be very positive, we don't understand yet how it's going to impact care delivery or nursing practice. So we're trying to understand those things so that we really have a sense of what does a nurse look like in the future and what does a nurse do? How do we leverage our skills 
and really try to use those skills that are the most important to us and, and those that we honestly are, are the best at, such as care mm-hmm. coordination or care management, uh, assessing uh, patients, having conversations around um, uh, kind of patient education and bringing families in so that we can coordinate kind of a, a whole wraparound approach to care instead of trying to cling to some of those tasks and activities that really aren't nursing per se. So we're trying to get a sense of what does the future look like for nurses to make sure that we can clearly define that role as it emerges. Exactly. Um, I'm thinking about um, this will be very exciting going forward, and I'm wondering uh, if you put your crystal ball in place, what do you see in the future? What, what will nursing look like in 10 years? Ooh, oh, I sorry, think Rebecca. that depends. Oh, no, go ahead first, Bonnie. Well, thanks, Rebecca. I think that depends how much, uh, how many Jetsons episodes you've watched, right? <laughs> I think it depends on what you, what you think this looks like. So are we going to uh, improve things like Google Glass to the point that nurses wear them and can just uh, dictate and speak aloud and have their um, natural language processing kind of upload into a medical record without having to push around a uh, cart on wheels or a work, uh, workstation on wheels. I think it's going to be um, that nurses are really going to uh, explode into the telehealth space. We're an amazing um, kind of profession to adapt and to be there. So I think that's going to represent tremendous opportunity for us as well. So I think the future is really bright, especially knowing that so many of the younger people, the millennials, the Zers, even young um, uh, uh, wires actually really are good at technology and tech adoption because we, we can't put that back in the bottle. So we're going to keep advancing along with technology. Mm-hmm. Rebecca, what are your thoughts? You know, I think for the first time in my career as a nurse, nurse innovation has opened up a door in a conversation in a positive way in healthcare in a way that has engaged industry, hospitals, and nurses in a way that I have never seen in our history. Mm-hmm. Um, people seem to understand the simple process of saying, hey, you know, if you have a product, obviously a nurse should be engaged on that. That makes common sense in a way that many of the conversations that we've held before in nursing around policy or procedure have fallen on deaf ears or that they've still been made outside of our scope. Um, there seems to be an understanding here that even those in administration, those that are leading our hospitals, our CEOs and our CFOs, the basic understanding is that if we become more efficient as a workforce and identify the problems and create solutions, this can affect the bottom line of a hospital, that this is smart business by investing in this way. And in a very, for a very long time, I think most hospital systems specifically did not feel that investing in the nursing workforce was a good investment because it was always seen as a cost structure. When you uh-huh. put the innovation spin on it, suddenly you can see cost savings, you can see revenue increasing, you can see that the nurses are providing solutions to the major indicators or KPIs of hospitals that they could not get their arms around when they were not engaging nurses. So for the first time ever, I think new opportunities in the world of nursing are being presented, but also embraced as equals at the table, um, where I would say for a very long time, most of the meetings that I ever attended in healthcare, nurses remained silent or were not mm-hmm. present. And this conversation is now changing because of what's going on here. And it, to me, is the most exciting, exciting thing I've seen for our profession in my entire career. One of the pieces that um, you talked about, the nurses at the table, um, 
I noticed that uh, some of the many of the nurse practitioner programs, and it may have been the one that you took also, Rebecca, that is getting um, uh, kind of an MBA, uh, Masters of Business uh, Association or Administration, into some of that nurse practitioner uh, level, so that when they're coming to the business table, they're coming with the language uh, or maybe translation from nursing to business that the business people can understand. Is that true or not true? Rebecca? Right. Yeah, I don't, I, so I don't think a number of nurses are, are taking the MBA program. Um, we've done a very poor job in education um, where what we do is we make them both take a full MSN and a full MBA program. Uh-huh. So it's very cost prohibitive. But what I do think, the most unstoppable degree that I think that exists in healthcare today will be nurses who have an MBA. Now, I don't know if that replaces an MSN or if it's an equivalent, but I do believe in the future of healthcare. I wish someone at some point had stopped me when I was a young nurse uh, as I was in that program and said, hey, Rebecca, where do you see yourself in 10 years? And if you were going to be here, maybe you should consider an MBA because I have to say we're seeing the MBAs are being hired in healthcare across Mm. all verticals from uh, managers of floors all the way up to CNO positions and our MSNs in many situations are being regulated more to a sideline for an MBA. So I I do think it's something in a conversation that, that does need to be carefully had and discussed going forward. Bonnie, do you want to talk about that? Uh, I would just say that I feel like my MBA has paid off very well um, and uh, really would encourage any nurse that's thinking about business in any way, shape, or form to go that route. It's, it's been incredibly helpful. I think it allows you to lean into the conversations that you need to, and it gives you some street cred um, in hanging with a group of whether it's C-suite people or whether it's uh, entrepreneurs, startups, uh, venture capitalists, or anyone, I think that it, it demonstrates that you have an understanding of some basic principles in a very different way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's true, too. So one of the issues that's going to come up is um, the newer nurses coming in will be very comfortable with this. How about the nurses that have been in the industry the way it has been and maybe are not feeling as comfortable uh, with the new look or the new uh, direction that um, nursing is going. So Rebecca, could you talk a little about that? How do they prepare themselves for the new, the new nurse? You know, I think actually, um, I think nurses for the last 10 years with the rollouts of the EMR systems, the systems that have been pushed through them have been feeling very discouraged by the face of healthcare. Um, and that's why we saw such an exodus or why we are seeing such an exodus um, and the number of nurses retiring a year. Um, what I'm finding from our bedside nurses is they are so excited that somebody is actually listening to them. Like, they'll tell you, our nurses with 30 years of experience will be like, well, it's about time somebody came and engaged with me. Like, I've known this answer. If they had asked me 10 years ago, we could have solved that problem. What I think that they may be, um, that we're sort of struggling with, is that we were never told as nurses that we were a cost center or that we drove, that we, um, we, we were never taught finance, business, or strategy. And because of that, when we make our arguments, we often speak to, I think, I feel, I believe. 
leave. And we are constantly shot down as nurses when we pose our arguments that way. So when we are, when they're told, hey, you know what, you guys, go to them with a data point. Go them to a finance point. Sit there and say, hey, you know, we had six cotties last year causing, costing $3 million to the hospital. We brought that down to one, so we just saved the hospital $2.8 million. They start to understand it because many nurses at home are handling all their finances in their household, but they were never told that healthcare in the United States is the business of healthcare. So if they were given that skill set, and when they finally are told that this is how they frame their conversations, their discussions, and their, their arguments, for lack of a better word, they suddenly are like, this is how, this is, why did nobody tell me this earlier? <laughs> I could do that all day long. So I'm finding less resistance to this than I was finding a lot about other policies that have come up in nursing. And Bonnie, are you, are you seeing the same or how are you seeing it? Yeah, Rebecca, I think that's a great point because I think that we've done ourselves a little bit of a disservice over the years by thinking that our expertise in the human touch and, and compassion and science mm -hmm. was mutually exclusive of business. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be. So it really should be both and not, not either or. And I think that's where sometimes we've missed the opportunities to teach nurses around what is a return on investment? How do you evaluate that? What is a risk benefit? How do you evaluate that? And why is it important? Mm -hmm. So we've kind of given them only half the conversation. So now we're running to catch up so that we can be in the, in the discussions and the meetings and at the conversations that we need to with not only being kind of that person that is very patient-focused and family-centric, but also keeping, you know, kind of one ear open for the business conversation that we need to be very attuned to and very well-educated on. Yes, exactly. We're coming down to the end. We have <clears throat> about uh, four or five minutes here. Um, could each of you just say something to, uh, if there was one thing that you really, really wanted nurses around the world to know, what would that be? And Bonnie, could you start? Yeah, sure. I, I think that nurses have an incredible superpower. Um, I would encourage nurses to um, connect and support each other. This is a space yes. that we, we really need to prop each other up and to amplify our work and our messages. Um, and also to kind of get involved, whether it's big stuff or small stuff, get involved in innovation and really lean into those conversations. There is so much that nurses can bring to the table. That is very, very important. Rebecca, say, uh, say a little more about that. We still have maybe four minutes, so we've still got some time. Yeah, that was brilliant, Bonnie. And I, I think if somebody is listening to their, this podcast, um, as a nurse, I remember thinking to myself that I would, that I had no impact, that I could not, outside of my immediate needs in front of me, that could I actually do something that could alter the future of nursing for the better? And I think that you have to, that, so if anybody is listening, they're like, oh, this is great. You know, you have Bonnie Clipper, <laughs> MBA, v Vice President of Innovation <laughs> for the American Nurses Association, and Rebecca Love on your call. Like, we're not, I'm, we're not, I'm not going to be that person. All I can tell you is we all started, both Bonnie and I um, started at the bottom, right? Um, we, we both climbed our, our, our way up, and it was through random people who believed in us and saw in us and gave us opportunities to prove ourselves that eventually we 
we got to this place where we now have found each other and other individuals who are creating this space to have this happen. So if I could tell anybody anything, it's just don't let the circumstances around you define you. Define where you want to be and keep going forward. And that there are people out there who want to see you succeed and you just need to find them. Um, And don't give up. And I also believe that if a situation ever gets so awful, it's a sign that you're supposed to make a change and Uh make that leap of faith. I definitely agree with that. Bonnie, do you want to add anything to that thought? You know, I think look around, try to access the resources and the supports that are out there. Actually, Rebecca and I are are, um, part of a team of authors that's working on a book right now, just partially for this reason. It's uh, The Nurse's Guide to Innovation. And what we wanted to do is to help people connect the dots in ways that they haven't been able to connect them in the past and, and learn from our examples. Some of them are times that we failed. Some of them are times that we were very, very successful, but we wanted to come forward and try to help nurses and to provide not only the fact that maybe, yeah, we're role models, but we also want to help. We're here to bring other nurses along on this journey, so we're pretty active involved in that, and that's always a great thing for us as well. Thank you. Excuse me. Thank you both very, very much for joining in this conversation. It's been uh, very exciting and very um, enlightening. And if nothing else, I've learned what I've I've pretty much known throughout 43 years of nursing is that uh, the more that I learn about nursing, the more I realize that I will always have a lot more to learn. I want to emphasize, too, some of what you were saying about finding people who can encourage you. Also look around and see who can you encourage. And many times, just that act of encouraging somebody else brings somebody to you that will be willing to encourage you, too. So, again, this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. This is Leanne Meyer, and I've been talking with Dr. Bonnie Clipper, Vice President of Innovation for American Nurses Association, and Rebecca Love, who is the first Director of Nurse Innovation and Entrepreneurship in the United States at Northeastern School of Nursing. And thank you so much for listening, and I hope you will come back and listen again. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.